This question of running back compensation just won't go away. And with A.J. Dillon set to be a free agent and the future, at least the long-term future of Aaron Jones, very much up in the air, I wanted to go through potential solutions to this problem. Plus, as we get set for training camp to open, who's hurt? How much does that matter? What we can expect moving forward? What the timeline is? What is the plan for replacements? All of that on today's show. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast now. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode brought to you by friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The NFL has a running back problem. Maybe not the one you think. Yeah, it's true. Running backs are not getting the sort of second and third contracts of their skill position peers. That's not in a vacuum a problem. If you believe in anything resembling free markets, which are, by the way, the NFL doesn't, or they wouldn't have a draft or a salary cap or franchise tags or a million other things that can strain the earning power of their players. The problem is that the value of running backs almost exclusively falls in the window of first contracts, though it does bleed into those on second contracts a little. According to a pro football focus study, 58% of the total wins above replacement for running backs over the period they studied came when those players were 25 and younger. No other position was over 45%. And positions we think of as premium, like offensive tackle, like edge rusher, like quarterback, are in the 30s. We're talking about almost half. In other words, running backs are unique in their career arcs. They give more to their team on cheaper deals than any other position. If you look at fantasy production, right? Like a a dubious proposition, but the very best players break out in year one or year two. And those are exactly the players who are getting underpaid. I'd argue it's most valuable to have a QB on a rookie contract. More valuable than a running back, for sure. But over the life of that running back's career, one that is far shorter than a QB's, they have a fraction of the earning power. Tight ends hit their primes around the age that they get second contracts. Quarterbacks don't hit their primes until around age 30. By that time, they're able to get a $40 million a year deal. They already have it in hand. It's in the bank. Running backs start to fall off at 28, at 29. We know this. The NFL knows this, which means getting a four-year deal as a 23-year-old out of the draft puts them essentially at the end of their peak usefulness right when they're hitting the open market. 
The problem isn't that running backs aren't valuable, even though they aren't as valuable as other positions. It's that the other valuable positions are able to cash in, whereas the NFL has already wrung out all of the value on contracts that are already artificially suppressed. And that's the problem. We aren't going to do away with the draft or rookie scale deals. In fact, it was NFL players who were the loudest voices pushing back against guys walking into the league, having proved nothing and getting top of market money. The teams were happy to oblige because enough teams got screwed paying players who stunk a lot of money to stink. If teams can still sign rookies to their below market deals, which is what they are. If Bryce Young got to sign on any team in the NFL in April, he'd get more than four years, 38 million. Ironically, he'd probably get around the same as guys like Matthew Stafford got before everyone agreed to change those rookie contracts. If teams still get to keep doing those kinds of cheap rookie deals and the players can't find a way to remove the franchise tag, then I I see two options. The first is running back split off and form a special bargaining unit. Not unlike what's going on in Hollywood right now, by the way, where their actors, directors, and writers all have different guilds working to represent them. It would feel a little like star actors and character actors having different unions, but like, maybe they should. And before you say that's too crazy, a group of backs reportedly met over the weekend on Zoom to talk about the potential fixes. If they're already corresponding, then communicating and working together is the obvious next step. Now, it still feels unlikely or at least far away. And it's hard to imagine that if they did split, it wouldn't create a cascade of other positions doing the same before we ultimately arrive at a place where the entire players union is split into factions. The owners crush them behind their unified front and they wind up with a far worse deal than the one they started with. I'm not rooting for that outcome, but let's face it, that is the most likely outcome of that scenario. The second would be to expand the incentives for performance and change the way rookie contracts work. The league already started doing this, by the way. They created player performance incentives based on your draft status. First round pick can earn 50-year options at higher prices if they meet certain standards, while players selected outside the first can earn bonuses for playing more than 55% of team snaps or making the Pro Bowl. Provides an even bigger jump. In fact, one that helped Jalen Hurts earn a couple extra million without hitting it big with that contract extension that he did, of course, hit it big with. But Hurts couldn't even start to negotiate a new contract until he finished his third season. For Hurts, that made some sense. He hadn't proven he was the franchise quarterback until as recently as like Halloween of last year. Even the early Eagles run left people dubious, myself included. But now he earned that money. But like, why shouldn't Justin Herbert get to go to the Chargers after a spectacular rookie season and pull a John Malkovich? Pay that man his money. Pat Mahomes really should have to wait an extra year to get a new deal after throwing 50 TDs and being the league MVP in the greatest first season as a starting quarterback since Dan Marino? Doing it the new way, the way I'm proposing, would allow running backs who provide their value to teams on their fake cheap deals to get what they're worth, either through even bigger performance incentives and or through an earlier window to negotiate an extension. 
Name, image, and likeness has allowed players to not be forced to play for free and then also be compensated at a rate way below their potential value to a team. And running backs are more important in the college game, which means their earning power may outstrip other positions we consider more valuable from a football standpoint. But that's not balancing out how much money they're losing playing for peanuts until they're 25 or 26. And changing the rule to let them leave sooner at a position like running back feels untenable given the wear and tear on the body. Throwing a 19-year-old into the NFL feels like it's going to end badly unless that 19-year-old happens to be like Adrian Peterson and that might be the end of the list. Derrick Henry, maybe the maybe the rest of the list. And this is already happening in the draft. Since 2013, 13 running backs have gone in the first round. Saquon Barkley walked into the league top of market at the running back position. Bijan Robinson is 15th, right in the middle. But really, every running back, there's three or four on a team. But that's a that's a solid. He's making a decent amount of money. There were 14 receivers taken in the last three years. They're getting that fifth year option. They're getting paid first round money. So they're starting at a higher basis than these running backs. Who are going second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, undrafted free agents making nothing. Maybe there is no problem. Maybe this is like defensive tackles or even receivers who weren't getting anything near QB money and edge rusher contracts until they were. Or like how centers were dead in basketball until Giannis and Jokic and NMB decided they're going to win MVP every year now. And now if you don't have that guy, you can't win a title. Too high rules the roost in the NFL. And teams can run the football, can change the math a little bit. Running backs who can catch passes and create mismatches offer more valuable, more value than ever. But the fundamental truth about earning power for all these players remains the same. It makes sense to me to not give rookies coming into the NFL the same contracts proven vets get in free agency. But it also makes sense to me to ensure the players who are already good, who have proven it, get the chance to be compensated for being good at a time when they're still producing for their teams in a way that will make it worth it for the clubs as well. It seems like an obvious win-win, which unfortunately means it's just probably not going to happen. All right, let's talk about some injuries and some players coming back from injuries, what the plan is at those spots. We'll do that here coming up on Locked on Packers. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want 100%, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You've certainly heard of LinkedIn. You know what it is. You probably know a little bit of how it works. But you might not know everything you can do with it and that's the key here. So many tools at your disposal. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can highly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Interview the right people so you make sure you hire the right people. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, delivering the quality leads versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions 
do apply. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every dayers, this week, it's training camp, baby. Breathless tweets about what's happening. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to have real, actual football just any minute. Any minute, we're going to have the real deal coming here, which means we get to have fun conversations on Locked On Packers. All right, heading into this training camp, there's a lot of people to be excited about seeing. I want to I talk a little bit about training camp media at the end, just some of the some of the stuff online. But let's start with some of the people that we're not going to see. Grant Dubose, hurt, non-football injury because he was never on the team. Um, he's going to miss the start of camp. And it just, I hate it for him. I'm, I, I just am so bummed for him. Because small school guy, he needs these reps. He, he already missed the spring. He needs the opportunity to go up against NFL corners. He needs the opportunity to build chemistry with Jordan Love. He, he needs reps at NFL speed. It stinks that he's not going to get that and it's going to set him back. And if he's not ready to go by like the second week of camp, we're going to get to a place where you're just going to say, you know what? He's going to start the season on IR. Like maybe he makes the 53 or maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's just lost season time for him because he's not going to catch up in time. It's going to be week 10, week 12 or whatever it is. And then it's just, it's like, okay, well, he's a rookie. How much can he really contribute? You've, if you've got Dontavian Wicks, who's showing some things, Jaden Reed looks good. Samori Toure's taking that next step. You're really putting yourself behind the eight ball here. And I just don't, I, it's a bummer because he was someone I was really excited to see. He was one of those guys I wanted to see in spring ball and then was so excited to see in training camp because I felt like he was a gamer. He was someone who at every place where the competition was ratcheted up a little bit, we were going to see another level for him when we saw him dunk on, catch a touchdown pass on a first round corner in college and gave him the two small. Like he thrives on those opportunities to prove himself and to not get it is a bummer. Now, his injury is not one of the most important injuries right now. It's just the one that I was the most interested in because I was bummed about it. It seems like we're getting good news on Eric Stokes. That uh, according to a report from Bill Huber over at Sports Illustrated, that we're talking about just a couple couple weeks for him, that there's some, some optimism that he's going to be able to be ready here in, you know, before the season starts. And and what's interesting about that is, where does that leave him? Where does that leave the Packers' defense? Because it seemed like at the end of last year, they, that, that where they really found their stride was when they were playing with Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas on the outside, and then you had Darnell Savage in the slot. Now, if Keyshawn Nixon is going to be that slot corner, then you're in a battle for those outside spots, but it's not going to be Jair. Now, Jair might move in in some nickel situations. I, I'm wondering, just I'm, this, I'm just spitballing here. I'm wondering 
if part of the plan long-ish term or maybe more medium term is Russell Douglas gets his shot at safety, but maybe at the end of this year or next year, that okay, he's on this contract. It's a good deal. He's a good corner. You got him and Jair. You're giving Keyshawn Nixon the chance to play in the slot. Although I kind of would like Keyshawn to see, I would like some safety reps from him, but that's a separate thing. Eric Stokes is a boundary corner. He is a press man corner. Maybe what you do is give him the chance to go out and, and win that job again. See what you have in Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. And then at the end of this year, a year where you know you're probably not going to compete for a Super Bowl. You can make the decision, okay, Eric Stokes, you played well enough. You're going to be the boundary corner. Russell Douglas, you're going to move to safety. Now, I don't know how you give Eric Stokes the opportunity to do that. If he's only playing the dime, where is Rasul playing? It gets complicated. It's really nice to have three corners, but if they can't all be at the, on the field at the same time consistently, what are, you, what are you doing? And it's not just a matter of positional fit. It's a matter of depth chart. It's a matter of, okay, you, you really need four corners. Well, then you're definitely in dime. And how many times are you playing true dime if what you want your, your most used defense to be is actual nickel? with Quay and, and Devondre Campbell on the field. This gets really complicated. So I don't I don't have a good answer. Like when Eric Stokes is healthy, what is he? Now, I, I think it makes sense, okay? He, he gets back mid to late August, mid, mid to late September, he's up full speed. You get him in some dime looks, but then what? How do you reintegrate him? Because he can't just not be on the field. Like we talk about best five with offensive linemen. In no universe is he not one of your best three. So it just seems to me that the move here is you have to cross-train all these guys and you have to be willing to be a little bit of bit flexible based on the matchups and say, okay, Jair, you're going to have to play in, in against certain teams 50-60% on the slot. That you're going to be Cooper Cup's guy when he's in the slot when we play the Rams. You have to be willing to say that. Hey, anytime Jefferson Jefferson is in the slot, that's your guy. And then you have Eric Stokes on the outside and Russell Douglas on the outside where they belong. But then in other scenarios, you've got power slots. You go and you play the Falcons. Okay. Hey, Sewell, slot's yours. You got to deal with Drake London. You got to deal with Kyle Pitts. Those are your guys. Now, it's not going to always be man, but you're the slot that week. If you feel now you should already feel comfortable with Russell playing in there, or maybe it's Keyshawn Nixon in some matchups. I don't know what, what that matchup would be, but I just don't see how he's not out there. Now, the Packers have had some issues trying to make these things work personnel-wise with understanding where their best fits are and, and being flexible enough trying to figure that stuff out. I don't know that I, I trust the powers that be on the defense to do that all. But that seems like it makes the most sense. You have if you're gonna if you're gonna preach this idea of playing your best five on the offensive line, for example, you have to play your three best corners and you got to figure out how to make it work. You have to figure out how to make it work. And I think, frankly, it means doing sort of what they did in 2015. They draft Quentin Rollins, they draft Demarius Randall. You have Casey Hayward, but you have to find a way to get Demarius Randall onto the field. He was, you know, really talented, first round pick. So what do you do? You play him on the outside in Casey Hayward plays in the slot. Not Casey Hayward's best position. But you're trying to get Demarius Randall out there. And Demarius Randall as a rookie was really, really good. It's easy to forget that now. He was really, really good as a rookie. You hope Eric Stokes 
who, you know, as as a um, pedigree player, actually played corner his whole life. Unlike Demarius Randall, who was really a safety, he was really drafted to be a more nickel hybrid. Weirdly, was drafted to be sort of what Micah Hyde was. And so I, I want him more at corner than than maybe Demarius Randall. And there were some other things with with Demarius that that I think prevented him from reaching his full potential that, that I'm not concerned about with Eric Stokes. But you have to get that figured out. It's much easier with Rashawn Gary because when Rashawn Gary is healthy and we don't know when that's going to be, he's going to start. It's not a problem. And while he's out, it's not a question. It's going to be Kingsley Nagbari, Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins. You have a bevy of guys that you can throw at that problem. So just throw it. It, it almost doesn't matter if Kingsley Nagbari or Lucas Van Ness is starting, though you'd kind of like Van Ness to go win that job. I know that he's starting from a place of disadvantage, but he's really talented. He's so much more physically gifted than Enigbare. And Enigbare has sort of made a career so far, and but even including college, over being the kind of athlete that he is and still producing. He's not a bad athlete, but he's not anywhere near what Lucas Van Ness is. Van Ness also has versatility, though. I think he can play some five technique. He can reduce inside, play some three technique and some sub package edge rusher situations. It'd be great to get a little kind of NASCAR on there, you know, on third and, and 15. Maybe you have Preston Smith, Devontae Wyatt, Lucas Van Ness, and Rashawn Gary or Kingsley Nibari, whoever it is, if Rashawn Gary's out there or not. And you give Kenny Clark a break. Now, Kenny Clark, a really good pass rusher, but you're giving him a break. And you're still getting really good pass rushers out there. Maybe that gives you better opportunities to have Kenny Clark out there on first down when a team wants to try and throw against what they think is a better matchup for them. You're also saving guys' legs. You're getting more rotation in there. All that stuff is good. The Rashawn Carey piece of this is easy. You got your guy. You've got the guy that's going to handle all that. So from that standpoint... You're in a good position. And then Jake Hansen looked like he was getting ready to be, you know, on the PUP, but then passed his physical. So he's back. Great. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Seems silly that he's even still on the team, but um, he is the, the old coaches seem to like him. The new coaches seem to like him. I, I've never seen it. I, I still don't see it. I I can only tell you what I see. I don't get it. I just flat out do not get it. But he's here. And so we got to talk about him. We have a little more to talk about here before we finish up Unlocked on Packers. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Every day or go check us out at The Leap. There's been a lot of consolidation of media coverage a lot of companies shifting away from local coverage at locked on we believe deeply in local coverage it's why we do what we do it's why we put all this effort in to be here with you five days a week to give you even in the off season we did five days a week all off season because we believe it matters we believe having quality local coverage matters to the fan experience that's why we're here with you. So thank you for being with us every day. And if you believe strongly in having quality local coverage, I would love for you to subscribe to The Leap. 
a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Um, we finished our roster series. We're getting ready for camp. So much fun stuff here. And also, subtext. Subtext is this new way for me to communicate directly with you on your phone. We can chat on there. Um, so go check that out. Go subscribe. Been been having a lot of fun talking to people on there. Um, and there's going to be exclusive content going to users who are on that app. Stuff that I don't post on Twitter. Stuff that I don't really talk about on here. Or stuff that I talk about like much, much later. So go check out what we're doing over at Subtext with Locked on Packers as well. I want to finish up here. I'm going to I'm going to try not to complain. I'm going to try. It was hard not to notice though that a certain team out east we were seeing a lot of clips from camp with a certain quarterback who used to play in Green Bay. Video of great throws. You know, conspicuously not videos of like the multiple fights that happened. Those were not on social media in the same kind of way. But a lot of videos. The Chiefs videos. The Packers are so strict about this. You can't even talk about some of some things that you see when you're there. Whether it's who's starting, that kind of thing. Obviously, there are certain things, you know, it used to be you could go as media all week. You just couldn't, there are certain things you couldn't talk about. Now they just go inside. Media's not even allowed to watch some of the stuff that's going on. The Packers treat it like state secrets. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice for fans to get more than just tweets? Wouldn't it be nice for fans to get more than just like a quick sports center hit or 10 minutes on a talk radio show? Wouldn't it be nice to have a little video more than just Luke Musgrave running down the sieve untouched? Like the, the team account, which the, the team, by the way, does not seem to care that much or pour that much resources into like they lag way behind the rest of the league in social media, in being ahead of the curve on all that. They just don't seem to care that much. And that's their prerogative. But I don't know why they treat this stuff like it's state secrets. The team that literally just won the Super Bowl is tweeting out, or at least allows media to tweet out clips from team drills, highlights from camp, all that stuff. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not there. Every day. So this is not even just me like, oh, I'm so annoyed that I don't get to. No, I, I, it's not about me. I want to see, I want, I want to see the same clips that Jets fans get to see, that Chiefs fans get to see, that Cowboys fans, the Cowboys have been doing this for years. They give a ton of access. You can tweet whatever you want. You can post whatever you want, basically. But there is this trend among a lot of teams in the NFL. The Bills, same thing. State secrets. Can't post anything. It doesn't help the fan experience. I just gave you why I think local coverage is so important. Because fans care about this stuff so much. 
Why not give them those moments? Highlights, I don't, like, we don't need to see the concept. Like, there was one of Aaron Rodgers on a second reaction play throwing a, a pass to Garrett Wilson who'd broken wide open in the end zone. What are you sharing? Everyone knows that Aaron Rodgers can do that. Everyone knows Garrett Wilson's really good. You should probably cover that guy. What are you giving away? It's, it is absurd to me that a team with a fan base as ravenous as Green Bay, it's free engagement. Post it on your account. I don't like I almost I almost don't care that other media people can't do it. If the Packers were posting it, if they were putting all these great clips out there, then it'd be like fine. Like the team can do it. And then they get to decide they can still modulate. Okay, okay, we want to show this. We want to gas up Jordan Love. Look at this Jordan Love play from team. Like you can barely like show anything. And somehow Bill Huber manages to have like six, eight videos off every practice, which like, God bless him. I don't know how he does it because he can't, he can't film any of the good stuff or at least can't post any of the good stuff. It's just frustrating. I'm frustrated on your behalf because other fan bases get to enjoy those clips. And it's one of the most fun parts of training camp is seeing those clips and retweeting those clips going, oh my God, look at this rookie. Oh my God, look at this free agent. Packer fans don't get it. And it's a bummer. I'm sorry. All right, back tomorrow, a lot more as we get set for Packers training camp. The real football is close at hand. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we'll be live on YouTube after preseason games so you can stay Locked on Packers.